Boom. Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori, tonight. So it's a Brother, Brother podcast. Tonight, having seen The Breeders, Built a Spill, Afghan Wigs, Peter Hook, Super Chunk in the past month, we're talking about legacy bands. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's talk about what makes a legacy band and what makes a legacy band good. Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Tonight is just Jer and I, so it is a Brother, Brother podcast, and we were talking about legacy touring acts. Uh, we were talking, and used to be we'd laugh at, you know, the Moody Blues or Herman's Hermits or the Monkees playing at the South Shore Music Circus, and then we laughed at Loverboy and Rick Springfield and 38 Special and Hart doing the sort of amphitheater tour. And we laughed at Poison and Winger and Mr. Big and Enough's Enough and God knows what other sad bands from the uh, hair metal era. And then the Eagles, and then Fleetwood Mac, and then, yeah. But, I mean, who's laughing now? We're going to see some of our favorite bands, and they're kind <laughs> of in that uh, in that vintage. I mean, I guess, you know, as we all uh, age out, it's uh, now, you know, in the past four, you know, in the past six weeks, we've gone to see The Breeders, Peter Hook and the Light, um, Super Chunk, uh, a co-headliner of the Afghan Wigs and Built a Spill. I mean... <laughs> I, I am certain we're being laughed at now, but it, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as, as silly. Uh, yeah, as it and I'm did. sure people that are watching Poison and Dawkin play at uh, you know the Wisconsin State Fair are, are saying the same thing. But um, I do have to say that it, it, it's always good for my ego to feel young again. And I felt young at those shows, believe it or not, at the ripe age of 41. No, I mean, uh, yeah, and it's not just the crowd, uh, you know. I mean, I think um, you know at the uh, at the ultimate, you know, the sort of highlight of Peter Hook and the Light, which was a shockingly good show. Um, you know, uh, he crank, you know cranked out Level Terrace apart in the Joy Division uh, portion of the set was uh, the evening was half New Order songs, half Joy Division songs. At which point he ripped off his shirt and said "Fuck yeah, Boston!" and, and ran off stage. Which <laughs> I, mean, I, I applaud his enthusiasm, but at the same time I was like, "Oh shit, I didn't need to see a sixty-two-year-old man get naked." Um, <laughs> well. And I think the you know the the idea behind this sort of uh, duo pod was just that. I mean, we, we we just went to see some of our favorite bands, many that we had seen. You know, for me in the '90s, and, and Wyndham being a, a New Order early adopter to New Order uh, in the '80s and '90s, many times. And you know, we kind of were asking ourselves, you know. A, I, I think they all were enjoyable experiences. I think some of these artists have some new material that we wanted to discuss that's actually surprisingly pretty, good. pretty damn good. And um, and then just the idea of, like, you know, kind of what what makes it a nostalgic act versus, you know, there, there's still some relevancy. And I think these are some interesting bands. I mean, you know, the bands we saw, as you mentioned, Built to Spill, Afghan Wigs, co-headliners, The Breeders, who I saw actually twice this year, um, and Peter Hook in the Light. Uh, and then Superchunk, who, who sort of is, is, you know, 
reinvented relevance with their their latest album but um you know i think you know let's talk we could talk about performances but i think just also um you know, talk about kind of how, you know, in general, these are bands that we've seen a lot, right? When, yeah, I mean, I mean you, it was, you know, these are bands that I've seen, I've seen Built to Spill multiple times. Uh, we saw the Breeders open for Nirvana. Yeah, um, I mean, that, actually, that was day. the last time I saw the Breeders was opening for Nirvana, so that gives you some indication of, yeah, of uh, I mean, how, A, how long they've been around and, and how long we've been fans of theirs. And there, you know, there is something to the fact that I did, you know, use... Um, uh, that's new technology, the internet, to check out um, set lists before I decided whether or not I was going to go. And uh, just to, you know, I mean, the it's funny the um, you know the whole experience changes. Obviously, your experience at a, you know you used to be a front of the stage guy, you used to be a jumping off the stage guy, and now you're hanging out in the back, and you know your your primary concerns are how close you are to a bar bathroom and, and, uh, you know, basically if they're going to play your favorite shit. So, um, I mean, I guess, you know, and that is an interesting phenomenon. I mean, I I think, you know, I'll start with, I think we should talk first maybe, um, because they're kind of different, different setups, right? I mean, the breeders sort of reunited and then Peter hook is is a part of a band and he's kind of doing a, a showcase, but, um, and you know, one thing never I can went away. Yeah, yeah. Built a spill never went away. They do take some time in between albums, and the Afghan wigs kind of you know went away and then came back. So, but I mean, I do think you know I got to see the Breeders when they first started doing warm up tours, I guess, um, mm-hmm. for their their new album, and it was in the Sinclair. And I, I remember being in Cambridge, Mass. I remember being like really skeptical about the show, like kind of lukewarm even. You know, I'd seen them before. Uh, you know, in the nineties. Um, you know, famously for us and opening up for Nirvana. I think I saw them on a Lollapalooza tour at one point. Um, you know, they, they always were very good, but you know, you, you have that sort of skepticism and to your point, there is this, you know, tool now that you can almost, it's like, you know, watching the trailer or something of a movie before you go see it. Or, well, it's like or watching a, a new trailer, you know, the, the yeah. trailers they cut now, which show you every good part of the movie before you go. Um, you know, you can you can really test drive before you before you uh, um, you know before you commit in any way. Yeah, and the and you know pleasantly, and I think I mentioned it um, on an earlier episode. You know, they they were great and they blew me away. And and you know, I think one of the things you know that that they didn't have that time was the new album completed. So there was a lot of you know old favorites, um, and I they really ripped. Yeah, no, they snuck a couple in. And I think with the Peter Hook show, we it was sort of, you know, just a night that we were going to hang out, and he happened to be playing. And again, the set list, having the ability to look at the internet and say, like, oh, wow, he plays, you know, almost the complete catalog of both, you he, he know, New it. Order all the way through um, Joy Division in two sets. Like, that's probably worth checking out, you know? And it was. And, and you know, it, it, it's a crack band. Um, I had seen... New Order, as much as anybody I saw in the 80s and 90s, I mean, I probably, you know, saw them somewhere between a dozen and 20 times. Um, And they were really dull live. And this was actually more of an enthusiastic show. I mean, it was, uh, you know, believe it or not, it was, you know, because it would, you know, you'd probably 
you know, kill to have seen New Order in their prime. But to be honest with you, they played really short sets. They never played encores. They were really um, inactive on stage. They lacked any type of performative element. And, um, you know, it's, so the music was there, but it was just that. The music was, I mean, you were going to listen to, uh, you know, a, a jukebox selection, essentially. And, and you know, they were frequently on tour with bands that, were you know much more theatrical like Echo and the Bunnymen, um, and whoever else they drag along uh, from the dregs of of that uh, era of the <laughs> LIR era. Um, but they you know they so they it's kind of interesting to see somebody who's like okay these are great songs somebody better be playing them and and actually throwing their back into it like Peter Hook did with you know his band that's touring yeah, now. Yeah, I agree. I highly recommend it. And I also wanted to just point out that both those shows in particular, and, and we happened to see the, the Breeders, I saw them for the second time this year, and, and when at the House of Blues, I think there's also a benefit, they benefit from the fact that, you know, these are bands that at, at certain times, and Peter Hook obviously not being the complete New Order picture, but New Order, you know, you know, played, you know, theaters and arenas and, and you know, um, sta- you know, I guess outdoor... Stadiums. Kind of no, they played Yeah, absolutely. Stadiums, yeah. And, and, you know, the Breeders at one point had a major hit and were opening for much larger bands. So I, I do think there is an aspect where you had a core fan base in a much smaller place than you would have seen these bands in, say, 1989 or, you know, for in the case of New Order and... and um, you know, 1994, 1992 around with the Breeders. Um, I think it's like you and I always said, you know, I mean, how many times do we see the Flaming Lips as the third or fourth band on a, on a venue right. uh, or on a, uh, you know, on a, um, on a lineup? It was, you know, they were, they were never the band that you went to see. You wound up seeing them a dozen, 20 times because they opened for everybody. I mean, when I was young, Sonic Youth opened for a hell of a lot of people too. It was, um, you know, you, you accidentally wind up seeing these bands that you want to see a lot, but you know, the crowd isn't there for them and the crowd is half, you know, um, you know, half the crowds arrived when they're playing. Um, so this is a much more enthusiastic and self-selecting crowd. Yeah, and I mean, I will say there was a wheelchair section at the Peter Hook show, but um, yeah. for elderly, that is, not for disabled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there, there was. I mean, and there, I mean, these guys are all older, paunchier, I mean, except for Mac McCon, who has managed to get both older and grayer and younger at the same yeah, time. Yeah, more energetic, yeah, and more fit, I feel like. Um, well, and I mean, and we should kind of, I mean, we should go run through the gamut here. I mean, Super Chunk is kind of an outlier, I would say, to some degree, because they sort of fall into the, and built a spill, where they fall into the never went away camp. Yeah, and also Super um, Chunk has, has had their finger on, you know, had their hand in the success of a million other uh, up-and-coming bands through Merge Records. Right, so, Merge you know, records. never left the scene, but at the same time, it's, you know, at, at some point, just your uh, existence and your and your, you know, longevity makes you you know, by default, a bit of a legacy act. Absolutely. And I think, you know, happened to put out a very, you know, uh, critically acclaimed and and excellent record this year. Um, What a time to be alive. And I think that, you know, they were a band that I've also seen multiple times and and never disappoint. And, And to the same degree, Built the Spill 
and Superchunk actually take, you know, usually a decent amount of time in between albums. So it feels like they're sort of on hiatus because mm-hmm. they, you know, have other things they're doing. Well, you inevitably see them on tour, touring, um, you know, the hit, like their, you know, their song, you know, their their greatest hits, for lack of a better right. term. Um and then you see them tour a new album, and it's a different, you know, it's a different show. Um, but they, well, they're they so chronically on tour that they, they wind up doing both. And I think the thing that was interesting, so Superchunk was kind of a standalone, Peter Hook, The Light, standalone, Breeder, standalone, um, with new material, and Superchunk and The Breeders, both excellent new albums. And then, you know, the Afghan Wigs, Built the Spill, was a really interesting lineup <laughs> because it was kind of like a, a prefab tour of 90s, you know, kind of guitar, uh, you know, alternative Heroism. guitar rock. Yeah, with, you know, I think, was, was this the show that had, like, a package that you could you could purchase yeah. and get a picture with the band? I think a lot of them do. But it, the funny yeah. thing is here is that, I mean, between reading an interview where, you know, both bands sort of claimed uh, very, you know, very little enthusiasm and very little knowledge of each other, um, there's also, they're really, I mean, obviously other than being, you know, fairly stout, uh, middle-aged white guys that like both band, you know, that are into you know this kind of music in a sort of umbrella sense. I mean, Built to Spill has its a very you know sort of gear-centric, uh, techie guitar kind of uh, nerd uh, following. And, and yeah, Built to Spill is the jam band that I always wanted. That I, you know, that it's when I I have no understanding of why people love jam bands, but I always think of Built to Spill as the best jam band out there. Um, because they write great songs and, and can noodle on the guitar, but it just sounds good. And the wigs were kind of the polar opposite. They were in-your-face, uh, kind of cock rock, kind of, uh, you know, for that, even for that uh, subgenre of indie rock. I mean, they were they wanted to be rock stars. They were nakedly ambitious and, um, you know, very, uh, you know, sort of, Macho almost. Um, it worked yeah, for them, but it, it the two bands together really. If anybody was looking at it, they kind of didn't meld that well. And even in in concert, there were Wigs fans and there was Built to Spill fans, predominantly Built yeah. to Spill fans. And yeah, I was surprised, you know, at how large the Built to Spill fall. And you know, obviously one of our favorite bands. But I, I was a real time. I'm a real time fan of both of them, but. Afghan Wigs fan, um, and I do think it, it's a very unique sound, and I think it's a band that you know was always larger than the sort of slackerdom that they came up in. Um, but again, put on you know a great show and and has a new album. And let's talk a little bit about you know new stuff versus old stuff at these shows because you have the Breeders with the new album All Nerve, um, Afghan Wigs album. The name's escaping me. What is their new album? It's um, Sorry, I need to Pass. find it here. And then, oh, it's in Spades. Sorry, in, yeah, spades. in spades. Super Chunks new album, which we talked we've talked about on this podcast. What a time to be alive! On um, Built to Spill has some new material that they're coming out with. So, I mean, I think that was the other surprise was that you know a lot of times when I think of a band that's been on hiatus for a long time that I loved and that had sort of a, a specific sound and, and time and place in my life. I'm not really that interested in listening to their their yeah, album that they and, put in 15 years later. Or and I'm even I, I wonder I don't know if it's of ageism or or what or if it's you know my problem, but I am unlikely to give it a spin unless I'm going to see them and I know that there's going to be six new songs that I want to have a little bit of an acquaintance with before I go. Um, so it really is. Uh, 
you know, it's my it was my reason for listening to new Afghan wigs. I probably would have given the Breeders album a spin. Um, and the Super Chunk one, obviously, um, I really like and, and uh, you know, sort of was brought to my attention as a, as a sort of a must hear. But, you know, I don't think my I don't think I would have probably played the Afghan Wigs new album. And I actually really like it. So um, it's it's I don't know if it's them, the, the climate or me or or, uh, you know, really what it is. But there is a very, you know, I, unless I'm going to to uh, experience it live, I, I probably won't listen to, you know, a certain um, stripe of artist at this point, uh, and that's well, a shame. Well, I think we've been ruined, too, by bands like the Rolling Stones and by... <laughs> Jane's you know, Addiction. And, you know, Jane's Addiction, exactly. I think it's... I really do think in most cases it's been a failure, but I think there's something about these groups that didn't quite break up didn't quite you know maybe well, i think it's like they're I think going it, on i think it's like their live shows right now i mean i think there's two two um you know uh sort of factors that that can't be overlooked one is um sobriety and yes. you know Which i'm not sure maturity is sober but no 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 i don't think <laughs> i very very likely not but you know what i mean it's sort of a maturity um, and a, 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 they used to be very cool to be irresponsible and, and show up for the gig late and not, have, you know, I mean, in Pavement's case, never having, you know, never practicing and never trying very hard. And, and then, you know, there there is a newfound professionalism uh, among some of these. I mean, the, the wigs accepted. Um, they were always a pretty tight um, Act, but you know the breeders could be messy. Um, oh, definitely, and yeah. I think we're messy personally yeah. <laughs> as well. So I mean, and I, I think you're right, though. I think there's like a uh, kind of like a, a recharge, or like an, you know, I think the I think the most exciting thing for me was the fact that you know, obviously these bands need paychecks and need a living and things like that, but like there seemed to be a genuine enthusiasm for playing and for being in front of an audience again and, and for playing new material and you know and actually like taking some pride in that shit I wonder how much it. I wonder how much of that is based in regret you know like uh, I wish I hadn't um, you know I wish I had appreciated this a lot more when I was in my 20s or 30s or right um, and now that now we're getting a little bit maudlin but I will say the other um, you know sort of funny byproduct of, of having this conversation we'll talk this and then we'll, we'll take a quick break but um, the secondary ticket market. Um, oh I gauge this. Never bought tickets so cheap. I, I gauge <laughs> or this. Or not by been the, able to sell tickets by the fact that people see this crop up. You know, you get this Insta alert that says, "Oh my God, the breeders are coming in May," or "Oh my God, the wigs are coming in May." And then, well, you because buy, you're a responsible adult, you buy them. You know, five months in advance. And God knows, nobody can make. I can't make dinner plans a week in advance without you know fucking it up. So. Um, it is uh, amusing, though, that the uh, the degree to which you can kind of set your watch by um, these tickets becoming very inexpensive on the secondary market. Because well, I think you said it best. You know, uh, the amount of people that couldn't find a babysitter or were on a work trip <laughs> the night of the actual show is, is hot, had an early far morning. higher than when you're a twenty year old band exactly. and uh, you know doing that. But uh, you know, it makes for an, an easy in. And I think you know both times. We went with friends who didn't have tickets and were able to score a ticket literally 10 minutes before for far cheaper than you and I bought ours for. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, you want to take a quick break, uh, listen to a little Afghan wigs and come back and, and talk about it. Criminal, I bet you bet. See the 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod, and uh, tonight's just Wynn and I, and we're, uh, we're back in memory lane with some recent gigs that we went to, and, and you know, kind of the purpose of talking tonight was we just had gone and seen pretty much consecutively um, Super Chunk, Built to Spill, with the Afghan wigs, the Breeders, and then uh, a surprisingly good and uh, visceral Peter Hook and the Light doing uh, New Order and, and Joy Division songs. And, you know, just sort of, um, I don't know, you know, it was a couple of things that hit us both that we were discussing was, A, a, a grouping of those those bands, Super Chunk, um, The Wigs, and Breeders actually have really good albums out right now that we highly recommend. There. And then, um, you know, the other was just kind of talking about some of these bands like Built to Spill that, that we love and that come around every year and, and that just keep making good music but aren't necessarily, you know, um, you know, aren't necessarily critical, critically, you know, as critically acclaimed or, or going away anytime soon. Either well, let, me th- let me throw this to you as a question. Yeah. There's, you know, there's been kind of, uh, you know, some, several high profile uh, reunions, let's say, over the past 10 years or so, you know, um, and those used to be sort of blasted off at Coachella, say, you know, the Pixies or the Stone Roses. Um, Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction. Reunited. Yeah, I mean, what, or even the replacements. Guns and Roses, right? I, did they? Yeah, I guess it was. Uh, but I but, guess probably not an original. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, so what, uh, why now has that sort of gone by the wayside. I mean, it doesn't seem like, um, you know... Well, I think... I mean, I think it's funny. I think, like, we kicked off this episode. I think the same thing that we used to make fun of other bands for, like, we were talking about the Eagles and Cashing In and, and you know, 38 Special and Rick Springfield and Loverboy and all those bands that we laughed at. I mean, the reality is, is I think in the Pixies were a great example of this, um, who, you know, I find to be like one of the most important bands ever in my life and also in American music but they've not put out a good album since reuniting as far as I'm concerned a couple good singles you know um, or something like that but I think you know I think it it does to some degree become a way to you know reconnect with your audience uh, maybe helps promote some um, promote some something new that you're doing but I also think that it uh, you know it's also a um it's money, you know. I think has some it, of these bands need cash. Has the and volume I think, of these things, you know, sort of? Uh, I mean, has it become watered down to the point where this just isn't a special occurrence anymore? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that you know. I mean, I remember seeing the Pixies in Chicago on my birthday with you. I flew and out. It was yeah. It was just a. It was you know the band that I had never seen and. and 
had to see live. I had to go to that show. I would have paid a ridiculous amount of money to go to that show. Um, I remember hearing about Jane's Addiction at Coachella, you know, prior to them actually putting out new horrible music and, and seeing them. But, you know, that was actually exciting, or the Stone Roses. But I think nobody cared at, at an event like Coachella where, you know, I still believe, you know, and I have not been, so, you know. No, but it's, 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 it's a young person's show and you've got very much, you know, like dance music and, and partying ruling the day. There's Nobody pl- cares about There's the, plenty of music the fans at Coachella. There's plenty of music fans at Coachella. There's plenty of people who are there to be at Coachella. Right. Um, and I think more and more today, but I think, you know, I, I look at the, this recent flock, I guess, of, of quote-unquote reunions or, or bands getting back together as, as a little bit of a different level in the sense that, like, these guys all had critical acclaim. They all had, a, you know, with the exception of, you know, Peter Hook and, and New Order having hits, but he's one member of that band touring again um, and doing it, I think, better than the rest of them. I will say I, we highly recommend the Peter Light, uh, Peter Hook and the Light Show, by the way. But um, I think these guys, none of them, you know, all these guys had major label backing at one point. Breeders had a, a actually pretty significant hit, um, but like, you know, none of them really broke through or sustained success. And I think that you've got a flock of bands that like. You know, Buffalo Tom being another one who, who's a good friend of ours, um, you know, from the from the pod and we got to interview Bill Janovitz. It's it's a nice it's a nice level of fandom. And I think you have a core group of people that are always going to see you um, and always get that if you come around like that might be the show that they go to now because they they're older and, and you know, they have jobs or they have kids or they have well, yeah, you know, I mean, other things going on. I would flip that and say that I, you know, I mean, and, and I know um, uh, in your case, you didn't get a chance to see the replacements and they reunited, but yeah, the replacements, I, a band that I had seen I, somehow a, a lot when I was younger to in varying states of, of excellence and degeneration. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that you know, they made a big deal about the replacements Reuniting at Coachella, and then they were put on all these festival bills. And then the fact is that it's a very um, short window, or you know, I mean, increasingly, obviously, there's people, you know, there are bands that, or they're a band that people love having been passed down, you know, among the ages. But you know, for the most part, the people who got excited that the replacements were reuniting were people that were in their 40s, 50s. And the fact is that they, you know, festival lineups were not built to cater to those people. So, um, you know, even I think when Boston Calling, when they played Boston Calling, I'd heard that, you know, it was sort of, uh, uh, it sort of killed the momentum of the, of the festival lineup, um, even though the replacements were fantastic live um, and better as, you know, I mean, certainly uh, more dedicated to performing than they've ever been. Um you know they, uh, they coming on the heels of f- you know four bands that are current and popular. You know these old guys get up there, strap on the guitars, and and you know a lot of the crowd is not forty and fifty year old men. So it's you know it, it it kind of went unnoticed, and so I think they I think that was the adjustment um, when they decided you know when the promoters and and the bands themselves decided this is better done individually independently. Um, at venues that suit the the size of the popularity. So in the replacements case, I mean, they did a great show in New York at Forest Hills Stadium, which holds you know ten thousand people ish, 
And, you know, I saw him twice at the Palladium in L.A., which uh, is a really, you know, fine venue to see shows. Um, you know, and that was much more suitable to where they were in their career so that everybody who's a replacements fan could go, but not all these, you know, people who had bought tickets to a, you know, a 20-act festival set, um, you know, had to sort of, uh, you know, basically were taking their lunch break during the replacements show. Um, yeah, and I think, too, with some of the new records that came out this year, you know, um, Buffalo Tom's Quiet and Peace and, you know, the, with the Breeders and the Wigs new albums, you're not necessarily drawing in a lot of new no. folks either, you know, even though these are all very good records and then, you know, a, a definitely some in the Afghan Wigs you're not, case, you're not making kind a lot of, of a surprise. Yeah. But exactly, I think you're, you're you know, impressing people like us who liked the bands to begin with and then I think... Um, as well, you're, you're getting kind of that, that staple audience. I mean, you know, I do think one of the funny things is, and, and it's kind of a, a fun question to ask, though, is like, who, who you know, these are, we've, we've, like we said, we, we had a great time seeing all of these bands, and, and it was exciting to see, certainly uh, for me, the Afghan Wigs again and, and the Breeders, um, and I had never seen New Order and, and thought Peter Hook was great, but, um, you know, who are some of the bands that you'd like to see reunite? Well, the big one every year is the Smiths. I mean, there's always somebody sniffing around, offering them a gazillion dollars. I have to say that um, uh, it's not going to be satisfying, but ABBA is, uh, I don't know, do you call That's that right. reuniting? Um, are they doing one show? What are they doing, actually? I, I think uh, they're sending out holograms of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just Their younger ins- selves. It's just insane, yeah. But, I mean, you know, people were, people, there was always a rumor that, you know, ABBA was offered a billion dollars to do a, a world tour. Um, you know, and that, that number has become uh, less um, yeah, significant. <laughs> and, well, no, the numbers become less significant, but the, uh, you know, the notion of this thing, I and mean, this goes back to the 80s where, you know, I mean, they could, probably could have, had a billion dollar tour of the of the world. I mean, the most popular band probably that's ever been. Um, you know, you're you're short on band. You know, you you lose a handful of of uh, members, and, and it becomes a difficult proposition. I mean, the Beatles were you know, but it, bands like the Clash were rumored to have been reuniting. Yeah, I mean, the Clash was actually didn't. I mean, I believe Mick they Jones and Joe Strummer played I'm together. Sure. Yeah, played together at a, a benefit. And, you know, ripped out, you know, a bunch of, which started the rumor mill in full steam. And there was rumor that they were going to start rehearsing. And yep. then, you know, lo and behold, and unfortunately we lost Joe Strummer. But, um, yeah, no, it, it is interesting. I mean, that that definitely affects I'd say of the bands can that, that can reunite, that are able to reunite. And this does not include uh, Fleetwood Mac, who just kicked uh, Lindsey Buckingham out of the band and replaced <laughs> him with Mike Campbell and, and Neil Finn. Um, the bands that can reunite, um, it, I would say, you know, the Smiths are always going to be top of the list and top of the uh, the interest chain because anytime you ask the members of the Smiths that question, that uh, you get a different and interesting and colorful answer. But um, I don't know who would be the other, um, you know, I mean, I could, there's a lot of bands that have done I mean, the sort of queen with Paul Rogers thing or the, you know, that sort right. of, you know, one extra um, member or, or, which I guess begs the question, and I'll ask you this, how many members of, of an original band does it take to, to qualify as an actual reunion as opposed to what we saw <laughs> with Peter Hook? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think in, you know, I think in, in right mind, I'm not sure Peter Hook can use any of the, the original names because no. they're owned by other actual bands, but I do think that makes a bit of difference. I mean, I think with the Afghan Wigs, you at least had two, probably maybe three original members. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, I think three, I think three constitutes. Well, I, the, 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 breeders, the breeders were billed as the original lineup, or the classic yeah. lineup, I should say, not yeah, the original the lineup. lineup. And the same That's with true. Guided by Voices occasionally comes around as the, um, you know, the classic lineup, which, I, I, as a funny aside, I did, um, I was backstage at a, at a Guided by Voices after party uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and I was talking to the bass player, and I knew that he was a lawyer by day, and so I said, oh, back to work Monday. And he just looked at me in the most pained expression on his face and goes, why the fuck did you have to say that? <laughs> <laughs> this is my last night of fun, yeah, exactly. jerk. I know. I never really thought of it that way, you know. It's just like, wow, this is, this, yeah. Well, and, you <clears> know, <throat> I think that's the other interesting thing is that, you know, there are day jobs, right? I mean, I, I read that article that you were referencing um, about Greg Dooley and, and um, Doug Marsh. And, and I think, you know, and I've heard Greg Dooley on um, Andy Greenwald and, and Chris Ryan's podcast, um, The Watch, as well, off the Ringer Network. And, you know, I mean, he talks about the fact that, like, he kind of does what he wants. He owns a bar in L.A., our bar in, in Shortstop in L.A., right? Yep. And then our yep. bar in, in New Orleans and splits time in both. And I think both those bars have had I some success. I split time in both, yeah. And, um, and I think, yeah, <laughs> both bars. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, I, I think that takes you to a different place yeah. as well. <clears throat> I mean, Bill, you know, when we, is, Bill Janovitz, when we talked to him, he's got that fascinating, uh, you know, real estate um, or operation where he, you know, sells mid-century modern homes in the in the greater Boston area, which is, you know, a very cool niche. Right. And, there's certain and then people, gets to play, you know, certain cities that are going to support the band, you yeah. know, so I think Chicago, Boston, you know. Uh, Seattle, you know, there's there's certain areas that you can go out and, and do that in, um, which is actually pretty cool, you know. And it's something that you might not might not have thought was that cool back in your younger days. But, but if you think about, yeah, you know, you've got a kind of the, the dueling cool, careers, the dually life, not a bad life. It's it it is interesting. I mean, I you know, I mean, the the one of the famous ones, and I'm not even sure. I think you you know this from watching the Stooges documentary, but you know, I mean. The bulk of Iggy Pop is Iggy Pop. The rest of the Stooges are, are more or less no longer with us. And then, um, you know, uh, um, Alexander, uh, James Alexander, is a CEO of a tech company in Silicon right. Valley and a very, very successful man. It's a, interesting how these things fall, um, you know, uh, how these things, you know, these are bands are made up of individuals and, and it's a hard thing to um, carry on with that many individuals making decisions and making crucial decisions at a young age. So it, it's um, inevitable that some people uh, succeed after the, after the show is over and some people are less fortunate. And I, I think to go back to your original question too, just on, on uh, you know, what, how many members does it make? I really think you can, you, it, it's very hard to, and I, I'm, you know, I know we disagree sometimes on this, but without really kind of the front man or the, the singer, um, I think it's hard to do a, a, a reunion show. And I also think it matters what material you play. I mean, one of the great things about the Peter Hook and Light show was 
I mean, they really dug deep on the material and, and played it seriously and, and, you know, to a precision level and a, a noise that was great. And I, I'm not a Pink Floyd fan at all, but I know people that will go see Roger Waters because I think he does a very similar thing, you know, where he, you know, he wrote a lot of the songs and obviously was a, a main singer in, in Pink Floyd, but, you know, he can't go as Pink Floyd anymore. And I think, I think that really does matter um, you know, that these bands know, you know, it, it's great to hear some new songs. And I, and I think in, in the bands that we mentioned tonight's cases, they have some good material that's very worthy of hearing as well. But you also are there because these bands have no. sort of a treasure trove of tunes that you want to hear and that, you know what, they're going to play. Cause and I've, I've, great. I have, uh, you know, been and and you know believe me I'm not somebody who just chases the greatest hits all the time but you know I've been disappointed at times when certain artists that I love and and want to go see decide that they've changed gears and and don't want to do anything that that pleases their audience anymore looking at you Elvis Costello um yeah. and uh but you know and that is you know it's it is part of their right it is part of um you know, why you have appreciated them as artists, but it's also, you know, I'm going to, you know, admit that it's can be disappointing. And, and that is, um, you know, I don't want to follow someone's muse all over the map. Sometimes, uh, you know, somebody who's really good at punk rock, I don't want to see do cabaret tunes. Um, if that's their most current interest, the, uh, you know, I don't need peace, love and understanding as a piano ballad. No. Um, you know, and I mean, that brings me to one more thing. And then, you know, I think we can we can kind of take a break or wrap it and yeah. go into our, our usual wrap up. But, you know, there is this sort of trend of playing your classic album, which I kind of feel like started when we were we were hitting up, you know, there was all tomorrow's parties, mm-hmm. festivals, but then also Pitchfork was doing those Friday night shows where, you know, Sonic Youth did Daydream Nation, um, Daydream Nation, Public Enemy did um, Takes a Nation, which was actually a damn good one. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like, you know, and then they would have like, I mean, we saw like, yeah, Sebado do Bubble and Scrape, right? And, um, you know, Slint do their, their classic. Spiderland. Spiderland, yeah. right. I... I'm going to go out and say that I don't like the classic album tour, and, um, and here's why. I, you know, occasionally there is a, a perfect album, and takes a nation a million start to finish with Public Enemy Live. I will go back and see a hundred times in a row. But for the most part, it's sequencing to me, right? I mean, it's a great album, and usually a perfect album I don't mind listening to all the way through, but a live show needs some spontaneity. It, it also needs, needs sequencing, yeah, exactly. And it needs to be mixed up a little bit. Like, I love a band that can, you know, start slow and end the night, you know, just ripping through song after song that you want to hear. Um, you know, I think Deer Tech's a great band for that. I think some of the early Wilco shows I went to were great for that. Um, you know, I, I, and, you know, sort of just going and, and hearing an album played to a T, especially in the sense that, you know, all albums are going to have some sort of you know, ebbs and flows. Also, most albums are front loaded. Let's face it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you know, there's a, as a marketing tech, you know, as a marketing function, I mean, you tend to fall in love with stuff on the beat on the second side later on, or at least you used to. Um, uh, but you know, let's face it, they're, they're, the hit was usually either the second or the fourth song on the album. Right. So I am, uh, I'm poo-pooing the, the album. The, the the classic album tour. I'm with you, and also they, I, yeah. most of them did 
you know, sort of blossom out into greatest hits packages anyway. But um, it is, I, I agree with you. I, I don't love that format. And that said, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll end this how we end all of our podcasts with what are you listening to and, and a top 10 song of all time. Sounds good. Brother, brother, brother podcast. Uh, we are going to end our podcast tonight the way we end every podcast, and that is, what are you listening to? What are you listening to, Jer? That question. So, <laughs> question that <laughs> always makes your brain go blank. Yeah. yeah, totally. And uh, it's funny. I, I've had kind of like a, a crazy whirlwind week, and um, I, you know, when I do that, I tend not to, to. I tend to kind of look for stuff that is just. You know, kind of like it's like background music, and I've been so I've been watching sports eh, with the Bruins lose a eh, with the Bruins losing mm-hmm. and, and the Celtics in the playoffs. But aside from that, I, I tapped into uh, Netflix, and I'm not even sure which season it is, but it's the uh, Chef's Table, which is a great show if you're a food dork like I am, and it really goes in depth with famous chefs. But this year, or you know, I believe it was this year, is uh, all on on France, and um, just some really interesting interesting stuff and, and really cool food porn and uh chefs and so i highly recommend it and then um yeah how about you when what have you been listening to or watching um i have been watching a lot of sports myself i am um, still very very hooked on the amen dunes album freedom but i think we've already mentioned that so i'm gonna go with a new album um by a band called Cut Worms, which I believe is sort of a one-man project, a uh, guy who's obviously obsessed with with sort of analog recording and, and um, early rock and roll, a guy named Max Clark. Um, but I find that I, from what I've listened to so far, uh, I think it's really interesting stuff. Um, the new album's called Hollow Ground, and it kind of has a sort of really throwbacky like you know i mean i keep seeing comparisons to like the everly brothers that's how far back we're going um and uh you know there's it's it's played on you know instruments that are of the time um you know he doesn't seem to want to advance technologically beyond a certain place and and a guy who has a very um well-established visual um, sensibility as well because I believe he's an uh, artist and illustrator first and, and this is kind of a side project but check it out I think you'd like it um, yeah no I've been hearing buzz I've wanted to hear it and uh, now I, I definitely will will put it on and if he's I'm actually mistaken, opening up for King Tough that's what that I right? thought yeah and I really yeah. like the new King Tough as well so 
I'll dig into that one a little bit more and, and uh, see where that goes. I'm a big fan of King Tough. And, um, yeah, it's great. So I want to put a few more listens in on that album. But I think this Cutworms album is, is interesting. Um, I'm not... Uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I really like it. And do you want to uh, throw a song on the... Um, Top tens, you know, uh, ten the four billion <laughs> ten best songs of all time list. Ten best, uh, yeah, hundred million thousand songs. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny, like having. I'm gonna go with one of the bands we talked about tonight, and I, uh, I think the two hardest um, bands that are groups or musicians for me when I, I thought like, yes, I want to put that artist song on our, on this list. And I had the hardest time picking one cause there's so many good ones. And for me tonight, it's built to spill. The other artist, by the way, was Tom Petty. Um, I'm going to go uh, with a song off of 1999's keep it like a secret, which I think is a lot of people's favorite Woo-hoo. album by them. And, uh, I don't know, it might not be the one that you would put on, but it's one, it's actually probably grown to be my my favorite song on the album and the song else all right i built this bill that's great no i'm I'm really psyched to have that on there and uh, i'm gonna go with an album with a song that i actually assumed i put on like in week one or two of this because it, it is uh one of my all-time all-time favorites and and one of the ones that i would you know stubbornly put at the uh, very front of the list and obviously forgot and just assumed that it was on there already and that's public image um, by Public Image Limited off first edition. Um, I love that song. It's an amazing song, and it is one of the great statements of emancipation ever in the history of rock. So anyway, um, let's wrap it up, and uh, let, is, let us talk as soon as possible. Thanks Sounds for good. coming by. Talk to you later. later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.